That's my thing. I'm going to do that every week. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That'll keep them coming back. Yeah. I'm sure that you're really excited to hear all the different ways I can shout ho mama every week. Did you even do it on the last one? Yeah. Do you not remember? Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> It'll stick eventually. Welcome to Button Chops, the podcast where two miserable millennials from Northern England ask, what's the crack with video games? I'm Chris. And I'm Matthew. And uh, how are you doing this week? I'm all right, yeah. How are you? Terrible. I'm terrible every week. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm uh, surviving. We're a good couple of hours late to the podcast because you just complained about uh, your many life issues and the world yeah. coming. The world coming for you. It's not day easy working doing the pit every week and subsisting only on sausage and bean melts. No, definitely not. You'll get there. We're hitting our stride, though. This is our fourth fourth episode. Is it fourth? Yeah, I think this is a fourth episode. Oh yeah, yeah it is full-time podcasters now definitely professional podcasters making all of that sweet sweet podcast money with a lot to say i think half of our listenership has probably died of old age after listening to the games of the generation <laughs> podcast <laughs> yeah if they got all the way through it <laughs> two hours i was it what was it in the end an hour and 50 it was quite long that's what i'm gonna say that's what <laughs> We had a lot to say. We had a lot of passion to take, to get off our chest. Yeah, and it really comes it really comes through in the audio. You can really <laughs> feel feel our love for the our games of the generation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So this week we're going to be talking about Star Wars games um, and the Lucasfilm games announcement, mm. which probably end up going off on a bunch of tangents about Star Wars in general. Yeah. I actually uh, like. I don't really feel like we ever talk about star wars like I, I we were talking about doing this episode and i was like does does matthew like star wars like i don't <laughs> actually know how you feel about star wars like, have we ever talked about star wars uh i think we talked about like the last couple of films especially yeah. the last one because i remember talking to you about it on christmas eve because i went to watch it on christmas eve mm. um and i agreed with you it's a dog shit mess right it's a dog, dog shit <laughs> fucking dumpster fire I was like, this music's good, but then I remember that the music's existed for like 30 years. <laughs> it doesn't deserve it's in credit. It's Star Wars films. <laughs> it doesn't deserve the credit for like re-rolling the same melodies that yeah. were in the 80s. Um, so like, are you, are you a big Star Wars fan or are you like more of like a casual sort of, you just like it? Or? I'd say big two casual. I'm a big old casual. Um, I don't get hardcore like into a lot of the back lore, like... Mm. One of my friends, like, he reads all the comics, like, all the cartoons. He's like, yeah. he knows everything about Star Wars. But So sometimes he makes me feel, like, even less of a casual. Yeah. But I really love, like, the mainline entries and, like, um, a lot of the games as well. Um, but I feel like the last few films, like, Jay did it for me. It was the same as what The Hobbit did with Lord of the Rings, where I loved Lord of the Rings so much and I wanted to know everything about it. And then when The Hobbit films came, it sort of just, like, exhausted me. Yeah, and that's what that to me is what Star Wars has done over the last few years. So I've kind of like taken a bit of space from it. Yeah, I mean, like Star Wars has always been like this fucking omnipresent thing in mm. like in popular culture. But up until when Disney acquired it, it was kind of like the comics and the books and the games were always there if you wanted to seek them out. But the films, there was like the six movies, mm. half of them were 
good by technical standards and so it still felt like something of like a prestige uh brand mm-hmm. like that you know it wasn't totally oversaturated and then obviously disney buying it from lucasfilm and just churning out star wars films and whatever i think is maybe made star wars feel less like the sort of prestige bit of pop culture that it used to be Mm -hmm. even though like the prequel films were not good really by any metric (laughs) you know like most of star wars just in terms of the mainline movies is not really great Mm. the prequel films came out when we were kids and so i have like a real nostalgic attachment to them because at the time i couldn't tell that they weren't good and now when i watch them i'm like laughing at the terrible dialogue and the fact that all of the environments are like weird cgi green screen messes but i still love them cgi has got so bad (laughs) it just does not hold up at all but even that like i will like sit and watch the phantom menace and laugh all the way through it yeah but i still kind of love it and i can't really explain why yeah yeah. i don't actually dislike the disney star wars films i should say um i don't like the rise of skywalker uh because i think it's bad (laughs) (laughs) but for the most part i they're just kind of at best average you know popcorn Um, fillers it's just like what do you think of the last jedi i think this is going to be a point where we get onto the last jedi that either some people are going to just completely turn off if they hear an answer they don't like (laughs) i really liked the last jedi because i felt like visually it tried to do things different enough but while still staying in the star wars world and actually i didn't feel like it at that point it didn't feel like too much of a a deviation from uh, The Force Awakens. Like, it didn't feel too jarring yet as, like, a consecutive yeah, you story. Don't think. No, I was... I, I I didn't personally get it like that. I didn't... Mm-hmm. Maybe I wasn't looking into it enough. But I was just really into, like, the the planet um, stuff. What was the planet called? Where it was, like, just white snow with the red stuff underneath. Crate. Is that what it's called? Crate. Yeah. yeah the, end of, the end of last year. Yeah, crate. crate. Yeah, it's, it, that, that was amazing visually and the fight with uh yeah. between kylo and luke um i love the last jedi yeah. <laughs> i i think it's the best disney star wars film and like for some reason that's like a really controversial thing to some star wars fans mm. it's like people either really like it or they despise it mm. and i don't understand why anybody would despise it i think it's a very flawed film but of the three main, like the Skywalker saga in inverted commas, mm. it's the most um, ambitious and sort of feels like actual kind of thought and effort went into trying to make it stand apart from the original trilogy mm. in some kind of way, instead of just trying to emulate the plot of the originals. Yeah. I like, I like the structure of like the chase at its core. I felt like that was a really mm. good, uh, it's quite it's quite a common commonish plot device across cinema. But I quite liked it um, for Star Wars because it's something that hadn't been done before. So it was like a Star Wars film, yeah. mainline Star Wars film, set in the context of a story structure that's already been done in other genres, to typically more like action based. Yeah, and brought forward into into a Star Wars mainline thing. So I quite like that. I think for some people, it either works or it doesn't. Like when I think of the Last Jedi. I never really think about the fact that the film is essentially a really slow chase, mm. whereas like some people hate it 
for that reason and others you know people say that they don't like the humor in it or they you know they don't like the way that luke was treated and i I guess like they're all valid criticisms like if that's how you feel Mm. um but for me the things that define that film aren't aren't the things like the slow chase or like the couple of like jokes that don't really feel like star wars humor like for me it's like the throne room scene and like the holdo maneuver where she uh Laura Dern uh, drives the ship through the yeah that first was order amazing, fleet. yeah yeah looked in, I and mean, it was it went to like it's the first time in Star Wars that space has sounded like space like it was just yeah. it was just dead silent whereas usually yeah. like you can hear like the uh, ships and stuff firing cannons but that wouldn't actually yeah. happen you know yeah I think like that is what one of the I think if I could try and articulate why I like the Last Jedi is I don't. Because the entire sequel trilogy doesn't really work as a trilogy at all. Mm. Like each film just feels like it just does its own thing. It doesn't tell a coherent story. So I just think of The Last Jedi as like an auteur director's take on Star Wars, which is what Ryan Johnson is like. He's a writer director who just does his own thing. Mm. And not all of the choices really work in the context of does this trilogy tell a coherent story that sort of gels with the originals or anything but as a standalone film it's like full of beautiful cinematography some really like great writing and some really there's some really like bits Mm. in the film that i don't like but the bits that i really like just totally cancel out those moments that i'm not into yeah and then like the visual like like you said like the like the strike and visual moments like i get goosebumps when i see luke come out of the um come out of the the base at crate at the end yeah, yeah, yeah. the entire first order is all lined up there on, with like the AT-80s just aiming cannons at him I'm like oh yeah that's a proper star wars so, moment like yeah yeah like i said we we're gonna end up going off on tangents there was a little <laughs> mini review of the last jedi um on the whole like the disney star wars era has been a bit hit and miss mm. overall especially i think with the games which is what we're kind of more going to be talking about today yeah yeah what right well so like what star wars games did you play like growing up like which what are your favorite star wars games i had only like um the battlefront games uh obviously yeah. but i also remember very vividly playing jedi starfighter did you ever play that yeah that's, yeah, class. I, I, that's on my list of games that i had <laughs> it was so good that game um and also the force awakens which is like a bit later but more the force unleashed oh yeah force unleashed yeah, <laughs> force awakens yeah. i always get them mixed up as well i never actually played that one i've actually written the force awakens Have got you? it wrong on like that wasn't just a, a verbal typo yeah. so wrong uh that game was really good i loved it when it came out um they were both really short but like um really good fun like action games but with a really mm. good um story that's bored i don't think it's registered like proper star wars canon but Starkiller's a really yeah. good character. It's like an alternate take, isn't it? Because in one of them, don't you kill Darth Vader? No, d- That's the whole framing of it, isn't I don't it? Think you kill, I don't think you kill Vader at the end of the second one. I copied it a few times. Uh, I don't know, because I haven't played them, so I might just be making that There's up. two endings to the second one, actually, so maybe. Um, but yeah, they were really good, and I thought the story was cool. I thought like the whole element of like running around this overpowered uh, Jedi apprentice. But like you were doing yeah. stuff like... Um, pulling pulling starships out of the sky and stuff and crashing them into yeah. planets and things like that and it just like it did if it was ever registered can it would break the star wars universe because <laughs> no one else was ever able to do that kind of stuff and yeah. then he's just there like pulling them straight down it was cool it was cool but it was a very like throwaway 
game. It's very consistent. It's sort of... I was really excited about Jedi Fallen Order because I thought it looked like it might deviate into that, although the character was a bit softer than Starkiller. Starkiller had a bit more of edge about him. But yeah, yeah Force, Force Unleashed was a really good game. Yeah, I didn't... I never... I don't know. I think that came out around the era where... A, I wasn't playing a lot of games. Like there was like a kind of like a couple of years where I just I just kind of stopped playing games altogether. And like B, I think I'd kind of gotten gone off Star Wars a yeah. bit. Like uh, after the end of Revenge of the Sith and like the kind of the, all that, the prequels and stuff, I just kind of lost interest in Star Wars for a while. Mm. And uh, it kind of resulted in me like not playing any Star Wars games or anything like that. But I was trying to think like, am I excited about Lucasfilm games? are we going to get more good Star Wars games and trying to think in the context of like playing Star Wars games growing up. And I th- on initially thinking about it, I was like, I don't think I played many Star Wars yeah. games c- growing mm. up until I Googled Star Wars games went, Oh wait, no, I had that one. I had that one. I had that one. And yet none of them really stand out as great games in my mind. Um, so, I mean, I played Starfighter and Jedi Starfighter um i played bounty hunter on ps2 the one where you play as Django. oh yeah yeah i played that as well actually i forgot about that yeah (laughs) i had jedi power battles for the playstation (laughs) one have you seen that so bad (laughs) jedi power battles (laughs) jedi power battles it was like the phantom menace i think because when the phantom menace came out there was a phantom menace ps1 game like an adaptation and there was also jedi power battles Mm. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that's what it was because I'm pretty sure I had both of them. And um, Jedi Power Battles was like you would, it was like a two player game where you would play as like Obi Wan and Qui Gon, or you could play as like other Jedi from like the Jedi Council, like Plo Koon, <laughs> <laughs> Kaedi Mundi. Um, and I'll think of some more. Yaddle. Are you making this up at this point? (laughs) No, no, no. Yaddle's a female Yoda. I don't think you could play as Yaddle in Jedi Power Battles. You could play as Mace Windu. Um, There's another one, but I can't remember. Uh, Yeah, and it was like you would play through scenarios, I guess, from the the Phantom Menace, the movie. It's like two-player Jedi sort of just like fighting through corridors full of droids and stuff. Mm. Uh, not good. I don't remember it being good at all. Yeah, I think I had the Revenge of the Sith game. I had Star Wars Episode One Racer. Do you remember that? No, <laughs> no I had that for the Dreamcast. Oh no, no, that was <laughs> yeah, of course, that was the Episode One racing, the pod racing. It was yeah, a pod yeah. racing game. Yeah. yeah, I did have that. That was that was ages ago. That Dreamcast. Yeah, yeah, Dreamcast. See what I mean? Like when you think about Star Wars games. There's like there was so many Star Wars games, and now there's like basically fuck all. Yeah, yeah. Which I guess is why Lucas Film Games has been set up because they had that uh, EA exclusivity agreement, mm. and they were saying that they were going to come out with all of these games, mm. and ended up just kind of like not making any. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I had Rogue Leader on the GameCube as well. I just looked at looked at my list there. Did you ever play no. that one? That was like that was good. Like that was like a like a starfighter type game, but it was set in the original trilogy era. You were playing like an X Wing. Yeah, yeah. And like it was 
it was pretty rare around that time for you to get like games and stuff set in the original era yeah. because it was around the time the prequels were all coming out. So yeah, and they were targeting the prequel era because they were like video games for kids. Like, let's get get the kids. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and then of course the Battlefront games. I mean, everybody used to play mm. those. Like the um the original ones, like I used to play them at my mate's house all the time. Yeah, yeah, it was like really good multiplayer. Game. It was such a proper like controller swappy game. Like I used to have like a couple of mates come over and we'd like swap over and like winner stays on. But it was always weird yeah. when you looked back because think about uh, Battlefront is it was sort of like you always imagined it being these massive like epic wars. But if you actually like to think back properly or look at some pictures and stuff, it was always just like two characters in a massive map because the games were like sort of designed for epic like large-scale warfare which they do now but mm. back in the back on those generations like we didn't have the facilities to be able to like properly play them like that like you couldn't do online yeah. half the time you could only play like maximum like four controllers with like a multi-tab so you, you couldn't mm. really have that experience that you have nowadays but the, but when you were a kid you had the imagination to just be like it doesn't really matter you know what I mean? Yeah. And they were like running around picking power ups up. It was all like very retro. Um, I thought it was, it was classed about fun games. But. I'm not much of an online game player anyway. Mm. So my nostalgia for playing like the Battlefront games is that I preferred sitting in the living room with like a tiny split screen with like four other people mm. playing you know the four of us against like the game's AI or whatever. Mm. Like I much more enjoyed that and than the kind of current climate of playing everything online at home. You're playing online with other people, but you're sitting by yourself in a room, mm. you know? And uh, so did you, like, did you play the EA Battlefront games, like the new ones? Mm. Yeah, I've got them both, yeah. Because I only played the betas for both of them. Really? And I, yeah, well, the first one was, like, online only, wasn't it? Yeah, see, we liked our stuff. And that. then the second one had, like, a shoehorned sort of five-hour campaign or something in it, but... They, uh, I got the beta for, well, for both of them, but especially I remember playing the first one, playing online and just being like, I'm not enjoying this. Like, I'm just getting killed by everybody because I'm not good at playing online games. <laughs> and, like, I've lost that sort of fun that you had from sitting in a room with friends playing multiplayer, yeah. you know? Yeah. But maybe it's because you, you don't play with people online. <laughs> I, well, that and I don't have any friends. <laughs> I, I was because I I enjoyed the new ones, but I always enjoyed them more when I was playing with people. And you got that same feeling, like headset on, free mates in like a squad. Um, yeah. It was enough because you always knew where they were. You had to spawn on them. Um, you sort of tell each other like where the ATATs are and stuff like that. Um, that always felt like enough. But then it was on on top of that, there was like another hundred players in the map that could. Yeah, but 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 what about like? being at your friend's house and then your friend's mom is like ordered pizzas for you yeah, and she brings in the pizzas and she's like here you go lads here here's your pizzas you've got to let go you've got to let go are you winning son <laughs> <laughs> you've got to let go you can't that's not gonna happen anymore is it <laughs> i'm not gonna let go <laughs> <laughs> i used to go around my mates and play it just because his mum used to uh, buys McDonald's and my nana never would never See? ever buy McDonald's. So I was like, can, can we go around yours and play on Battlefront? And he'd be like, oh, do we have to? Like, can we not go at yours? And I'd be like, nah, we're going to yours. And then I'd be like... Because <laughs> I, I want a Big Mac. <laughs> and then we'd go around and um, her, his mum would be like, are you hungry? And I'd be like, oh, starving. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I'd get home and have like a cheese and onion pasty or something like that from my nana. I really like the new ones. I, I've like, even now I have like fond memories of what, like five years ago, um, sitting and playing on like Tatooine with Luke and stuff like that and unlocking him and then mm. just going to town on like 20 actual real players and knowing how annoying it is when like a Jedi sprints at you being that Jedi and just being like Phew, and knowing that I yeah. was like negatively impacting a real person's day on the other side <laughs> it's kind of, kind of <laughs> I was like um, yeah just sprinting at them being like Phew. and then they'd start shooting me I'd bend over the bend over around the back of like some wreckage jump over the top and do them from there it's class I, I, I don't know I mean I keep I remember like playing the beta and being like <clears throat> oh the, the graphics are incredible hmm. But it just felt like something was missing. I think I, it doesn't really help that I'm much more of a, I like a good single player campaign. Mm. And I was excited about Battlefront 2 when they announced it would have a campaign. Mm. But then all of the controversy over the loot boxes and um, the microtransactions and stuff, all of that came out and it just deterred me and I ended up not getting yeah. it. Um, did you play the campaign for that? Uh, I started it. I didn't get that game until about six months after it came out because because mm. of the loot box thing. Because it was basically just pay pay play out the start. Plus, obviously, like buying even buying the game just entertains the idea that that's an okay thing to do, which yeah. isn't. I think like they worked out online. So just to kind of explain the whole, I'm, I mean, I'm sure most people know no, about it, but obviously there was like there was like the microtransactions element where you, you could like buy upgrades with real money but there was also like a loot box system where you could buy basically a box of upgrades and you didn't <clears throat> is, is it is that right you didn't know what you would get in it until you'd already yes. bought it and it opened it ended up it was really controversial and it ended up like there was loads of litigation in countries around the mm. world trying to work out whether it constituted gambling or yeah, not. Yeah. And it's still like ongoing now, um, the debate around it. Yeah, the whole system, the system of progression, like generally in multiplayer games, it's like if you stick to a certain play style, you want to use an assault rifle, you want to use a sniper rifle. If you stick to that and play it more and earn experience mm. points, and if you do better in a game, if you're the top on the, t- the entire team or you get 80 kills and only one death, you're rewarded more points so you unlock more abilities and more weapons for your set play style that's generally the the core structure of most multiplayer games but Star Wars Battlefront 2 was like I think it was probably the first multiplayer game to proper go to town on loot boxes in the sense that they actually tied everyone's progression to loot boxes so for example if you played as a sniper and then you came out of a game you'd get you pretty you got like a set amount of experience points and the difference between if you came first or last so if you got 100 kills or zero was very negligible to the point where people some people were reporting mm. that they got the bottom and got more experience points than the people at the top so skill wasn't being rewarded but every single time you leveled up you you unlocked like loot box tokens basically and then you just open them and see see what random stuff you get so you get like a couple of taunts which are always pointless like making your character like do a thumbs up. And then you, if you're lucky, you might get a weapon, but you might get a weapon that's like you don't want to use because you don't like playing with a shotgun or um, things like that. So you were never really um, given like a progression system. Um, and to yeah. get, say, for example, to get the best sniper, all you had to do is just keep playing constantly until one day you were lucky enough to open a pack and have that sniper rifle. Um, but... 
the so the way they the why they pitched it like that is because they knew that people wanted better guns. So if you paid for it, you would increase your chances of getting the stuff quicker. So people with more money or just more disposable income were actually just um, paying for more boxes, and then they were getting the better stuff. They were getting access to like the better Jedi's. They were getting cooler outfits for the Jedi stuff and things like that. So yeah, people were running around like with Luke Skywalker, and it felt unfair on people who didn't want to put money into it, but were never able to get him because their luck just wasn't going that way, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think I read online that players worked out it would take 80 hours to grind out the unlockables that were available to buy yeah, yeah. straight off the top, which is just, like, daft. Because if someone just goes on and just buys everything straight away, then it's just breaking the game for other people. I swear it was more than 80 hours. Because some, some of those games, like... Other similar, but well, mainly the free games. So the free games that don't, you'd actually pay for, but also that like For Honor game and stuff like that. Um, they mm. some of those take like two thousand hours if you don't put any money into it to like unlock everything. <laughs> <laughs> two thousand hours. That's how many hours I pl- played <laughs> all together in games last year. <laughs> oh yeah, it was actually, wasn't it? That's fucking disgusting. <laughs> But they fixed they fixed all of that. So a few months later, after substantial like commercial pressure um, and yeah. stocks flying out the window and mm. um, losing money, they they decided to fix it. Um, it's quite a similar situation to Cyberpunk. It's probably the last big controversy since Cyberpunk, I think. Yeah, I remember it was big and it went on for a long time. Um, and uh, I mean, obviously, we're talking about it now. It's well, it's 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 essentially the backdrop for the news. The um, EA aren't going to be the only company making Star Wars mm. games now. Did I even explain that up top? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure everybody knows, but so yeah, just to set the scene a bit, like Disney announced their creation of Lucasfilms Games, which is an umbrella company which will oversee all new Star Wars properties. And like amongst that, the first announcements that they made was that uh, Bethesda would be making an Indiana Jones game. And uh, Ubisoft, well, Massive Studios, are they called Massive Studios? They Who make The Division yeah. 2, owned by Ubisoft, will be making an open world Star Wars game, basically saying EA aren't going to be the, uh, aren't going to have the exclusive rights to Star Wars anymore. Um, mm. And I think when it was announced, when it was announced that EA were getting the exclusive rights to Star Wars, first of all, it made me want to chisel my eyes out because I don't think of EA as a particularly good publisher slash developer. But also they kind of hinted or made announcements that they were going to make all of these Star Wars games. And in the period that they've had the exclusive rights, it feels like there hasn't really been much. There was the two Battlefront yeah. games. There was like some Lego Star Wars games. Um, there was <laughs> some. There was about nine, weren't they? <laughs> they proper overdo those games i don't think i've ever played any of the lego anything games (laughs) yeah and then they had star wars squadrons which i've heard is pretty good um or especially good if you play in vr but i mean who plays in vr four people in (laughs) yeah like four people who could afford vr headsets (laughs) that are worth buying and then did i say fallen order yeah they made fallen order which you haven't played I haven't played it now. I avoided it. It was pretty good. Not like earth shattering. Hmm. If you could get it sort of secondhand at a cheaper price, I'd recommend it. It's, it has a, I enjoyed the story, especially about it, which I found quite surprising. It's, it is a good 
single player campaign. It has moments. What I felt playing it was that it it had moments where I felt like I was playing something else that had been skinned as a Star Wars game. Yeah. You know? It it has Star Wars aesthetics and elements, but then sometimes you'll be fighting an enemy like some alien on a planet. And clearly you can see that the uh, it was developed by Respawn Games who made Titanfall 2. Uh, yeah, Titanfall 2, which is a really good game. I, re- I actually really, really like Titanfall 2 and, mm. and Titanfall. But um, you can see the moments where they've kind of gone to town and had a bit of fun sort of designing things within the Star Wars universe for themselves. But the mm. things that they've sort of introduced, like some of the aliens that you fight in it, don't feel very Star Warsy. Like you'll fight yeah. some giant spider or something and it feels more like something out of like Harry Potter than like yeah, <laughs> than Star Wars. But on the whole, I thought it was a pretty good game. Yeah. I think they'll definitely up the ante a bit for the second one. You know, because I mean like mm. going from something like Titanfall to this, like feel like to Fallen Order feels like a bit of a big jump. Mm. And I think now that they've sort of dipped their toe in and got some experience making that style of sort of like third person ad- action adventure game, uh, I think they can probably sort of experiment a bit more and expand on the mechanics that they sort of introduced in Fallen Order. Yeah, I think I would like to see Star Wars like concentrate a bit more in terms of like games. Like the films are all over, but like at least they're, they're films, you know, sort of what you get with a Star Wars film. Um I'd quite like to see Star Wars like have like a proper set like type of Star Wars game that's like a mainline game. I know they've got Battlefront, but it's not worked, has it? Like I know I'm saying I like it, but yeah. I'd like to see them have like a proper an industry break in like mainline game that brings new ideas, enough new ideas, but does them like exceptionally well and then sticks to that story so you can actually follow a game and be excited for when that next game comes out. So then with the thing with the Star Wars games is there's so many different ones that you never really know what the next Star Wars game is going to be like. Yeah. You know what I mean? I Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. I think with this news, uh, I don't see that happening to be honest. No, definitely not. Because if anything, it's widening the scope for what Star Wars games will be mm. uh, quite broadly because it's opening up, uh, you know, any studio <clears throat> anywhere who has a an idea prob- or a good, you know, sort of concept for a Star Wars game that that will get greenlit mm. by Lucasfilm Games and they can make tons of different styles of games. Uh, and personally, I can't... As much as I, I think that it would be good to have that style of game, you know, like something that is distinctly Star Wars that isn't like anything else. I don't think because Star Wars at root is just, it's just an intellectual property. It's a branding Mm. that you slap on a product now, especially with Disney owning it. You aren't going to get sort of like groundbreaking revolutionary games. You're going to get, you know, whatever a developer knows how to make with a Star Wars skin on, mm. you know, which I think Star Wars games are kind of destined to be that anyway. I, I get, I know what you mean, like across the board of video game output from Star Wars, yeah. but I think that if it had one game that came out and it was so, it was seen as, you know, a game of the generation sort of standard, they'd stick to it, you know? If they, they have a character that they could expand the universe in, just like what they've did with Jedi Fallen Order, but maybe a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, if anything is going to be that, I think it probably would be Jedi Fallen Order, because while it is an amalgamation of other types of games, 
it's quite a unique brew of different games. You mm. know, like who would have ever thought to put Dark Souls and Uncharted together? You know, mm. it, it does both of those things and it does them both relatively well. I think Fallen Order was a like a foray into that style of game. And I think they can sort of develop it and put their own stamp on it with the sequel whilst continuing what isn't actually an interesting story The one thing I really appreciated about Fallen Order is, I mean, like it, you know, spoilers, but like it obviously has Darth Vader and stuff in it, but it's not, it's not a Star Wars game <clears throat> that is set after, um, well, it's set after Revenge of the Sith, you know, like I think it's around that period, maybe just before New Hope. And it has no reliance on, look, it's Luke Skywalker. Look, it's Han Solo. You know, like the films have been and even like the Mandalorian season two, just dropping in these characters that we've seen and love from other things. It doesn't do that. Mm. It's telling its own story that's going off in its own direction. And so far, there hasn't been an over-reliance on fan service. And so mm. I I think like that is the correct template for Star Wars games going forward is avoid the fan service, tell interesting stories that do their own thing. I think expecting like really, you know, the sort of groundbreaking mechanics from a Star Wars game might be asking a little bit too much. Maybe I just mm. maybe I just think too small. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. <laughs> but I mean like I don't think you can I don't think I I know what you mean, and maybe that's just where we're at with the video games industry nowadays, but I don't think it's unfair to expect groundbreaking like games every now and again, oh, at some no. point no, over totally. the next five to ten years, from from video game developers, which will have enough money to be able, and clout to be able to license a Star Wars yeah. game from Lucas from LucasArts. So... I don't know. They had like they had ideas in the past. Like, did you ever hear about that Star Wars thirteen thirty? Yeah, yeah. Like that. That was. I mean, it seems like they've always touched into this like Uncharted thing because mm. they had that, which was meant to be like an Uncharted like Star Wars game, and it got binned when um, when Disney bought Star Wars because they said that um, it didn't have enough multiplayer functionality, yeah. um, and then obviously launched um, Battlefront and things. Um, but then they tried to do it again and they got another, they, they launched another game which has got a few seconds of like online footage um, called like Project uh, Project Ragtag and they hired the Uncharted creator to do it. All right. Um, and it was basically a follow-on from the 1313 project. Mm. And then EA also canned that because it did, it not only because it didn't have any multiplayer functionality, yeah. it just didn't, the creator said she didn't want to do multiplayer at all. So they were just like, no, we're not doing yeah. this. Well, that's, um, that was kind of the expectation when EA got the exclusivity agreement, wasn't it? Is that EA are just going to do a ton of like live game looter type things where they can mm. bilk fans through microtransactions. So mm. I think like the news that the sort of the scope is being broadened is a good thing because it means that we're going to get lots of different types of Star Wars games yeah. at the very least. I guess but it seems like EA already had learned their lesson with that, with Fallen Order and Squadrons. Yeah. Stuff, you know. Maybe a bit too late though. Yeah, <laughs> too little too late. Yeah, definitely. But maybe, maybe you're right. Like my, my hope of having like one Star Wars game at some point that just stands above the rest and is seen as one of the best games in current creation. Um, can also be aligned with like a, de- a development, a business idea that takes on multiple ideas. Because it seems yeah. like the problem for Star Wars games for the last 
10, 15 years has been that they've rejected everything that they didn't want to put out. So it's like, well, this doesn't have our set understanding of what um, will make us successful game or will make us the most money. And yeah. if they actually change their philosophy and accept like creative ideas, whether they work or not, to operate under the Star Wars license, we might get like one, some point that just clicks. Yeah, you know? and I think that's generally, I think that's generally been my problem with Star Wars in the Disney era at large is that it's a, an unwillingness to be more creatively bold. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I enjoyed, uh, did you watch The Mandalorian season two? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good, yeah. but, you know, there was still way much way too much fan service, way too much, uh, you know, reliance on tropes that are just, to me, have just been done to death now and aren't interesting to me anymore. Yeah. And I want to see new and interesting things set within the Star Wars universe, but at the minute, it feels like Star Wars is used as just branding rather than, you know, like a a compelling universe in which interesting stories are being told. Mm. And this news, whilst I think it's a, a, a step in the right direction and, like, you know maybe we will get a studio pick up uh you know get a a star wars project greenlit that's really like bold and inventive and a new direction Mm. for star wars games but i mean the the straight like the announcement that ubisoft will make in a star wars an open world star wars game straight away just made me go ugh yeah because it's just gonna be it's gonna be an assassin's creed style giant open world littered with like pointless map markers you know boring side quests just you know just fucking dirge (laughs) time killing dirge like that's that's straight away that was my pessimistic response to that news did you know that um massive and ubisoft made far cry 3 i've not played a single far cry game (laughs) and that's like one of the epitomes of that game what you just described and i i actually really 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 liked far cry 3 when it came out mm. it came out in like 2011 i think that was when open world games were a bit more like exciting i remember yeah. being like whoa there's sharks in it like you can go in the water and yeah. get eaten and stuff fight sharks but it doesn't really fly anymore does it no um whereas it's now, just gotten it's gotten really tired you know like i mm. don't especially when you've kind of you've you know like we're fucking old approaching old age now <laughs> like you know like we don't have time to be spending like a hundred hours trotting across a giant open world you know not that i'm inherently opposed to open worlds in general it's just the way that open world games have become partially as a result of the type of like template that's been set down by like publishers like ubisoft mm. like just filling huge endless games with just like boring crap yeah the mechanics are just so boring it's like oh but did you know you'll find these and there's plenty of those to find in the map and i remember that's the reason i didn't play uh ghost of sushima and i remember you were the same at the time you were like oh yeah because we were both like that looks good and then they had that reveal trailer at maybe an e3 and we were like oh bloody hell the it's minute I like, found out it was an open world game, I, d- I just instantly didn't want to play it anymore. Yeah. And it was, it was really good, to be fair. It, w- it, it was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. But I went in um, with the mindset of I'm not going to do all of the pointless side crap because a lot mm. of the side quests in the game aren't very interesting, you know? Mm. And uh, I mean, I've been told that Assassin's Creed Valhalla is good. Yeah, um, but I still probably won't play it because 
it's like apparently takes like a hundred hours just to finish the main quest. Yeah, Some, yeah. Ridiculous. Like it's just way too long and gets boring after a while. Mm. You can ruin a game that's got really good mechanics by just stretching the length out too long because eventually you get sick of it. Yeah, definitely. They all get, they all get boring eventually. Yeah. A mechanic can like, even like a really fun game mechanic can only sort of carry itself so far. Mm. But yeah, I think I think I'm exactly the same with you immediately on this, on the news of Ubisoft because I saw like on my on my like social media and stuff, people like proper buzzing about it, being like, Oh, it's gonna be the return of like some classic Star Wars games, like we're going back to old school Battlefront or we're going back to like Knights of the Old Republic and all these kind of games. So I was just like, is does that mean that it's Ubisoft? <laughs> like Well that said, so there is actually a, a Knights of the Old Republic game in development. Yeah, have you heard about this? I don't. I don't think it's the Ubisoft one. That's that's the Knights of the Old Republic. Mm. Um, I haven't actually. Well, we were talking about this earlier, so I haven't actually. Uh, I've I had Knights of the Old Republic as a kid, and I remember nothing about it. Mm. Um, but it is sort of regarded as one of the best Star Wars games ever made, and. I think um, just going off what I do know about it, if I were to be excited for any kind of Star Wars game now, it would be that. Mm. Mainly just because it's set like thousands of years outside of the like the Star Wars timeline that has like been done to death now. Mm. And I'm more interested in sort of seeing a story told in that period because you haven't seen a lot of that. Yeah, it's mainly in the comics and um, the other kind of more lesser known material, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's apparently it's widely regarded like within the proper Star Wars hardcore fan base it's like the most interesting time yeah um, so Disney have you heard of Project Luminous no so Disney announced this thing called Project Luminous like a couple of years ago I, oh, it might have been just after Rise of Skywalker came out but it was supposed to be like a new sort of um, it was like a multimedia story direct like thing that they were doing basically and uh, the first of it came out and it was called, it's a, it's a novel called The High Republic, um, which I guess is because when Disney bought Star Wars, um, all of the like expanded universe stuff be- no long- became no longer canon. Um, so like stuff like, like Knights of the Old Republic just isn't Star Wars canon anymore, I don't think. Right. It all became known as like Star Wars Legends. Right, yeah, yeah. So the High Republic, I think, is Disney doing their own version of the Old Republic. Right. So I think we're definitely going to see um, more of that. I think one of the announcements on the Disney slate for new Star Wars stuff, uh, there was a thing called Star Wars Acolyte, mm. which is either a Disney Plus series or a, or a film. And that is apparently set in that era. And that's the mm. kind of thing I want to see more of. I'm totally done with like the fucking Empire and mm. the Rebels and the Resistance and the First Order. I don't want it anymore. I want to see something completely new. Yeah, yeah. They can't rely on nostalgia then either, can they? If they no, have to go back. No. Well, that's there the isn't thing. There is any I mean, centerpiece uh, characters or anything like that to like lean on. Yeah, exactly. Like they need to kind of find an interesting story themselves and tell it without sort of milking fans emotional attachment to classic star wars stuff yeah so yeah i i think if if ubisoft were to i keep saying ubi is it 
Do you say Ubisoft or Ubisoft? Ubisoft. Ubisoft. I don't know why I've just, I feel like I've just been going Ubisoft for this. (laughs) Ubisoft. 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 Boobisoft. (laughs) Men. You men are all the same. (laughs) Men only want one thing. It's disgusting. disgusting. (laughs) Um, I've totally forgot what I was talking about now. Star Wars. It's good, isn't it? The Old Republic, the, the, the yeah. renewing of the Old Republic. I liked that, apparently the remaking, the only rumour I saw about um, the Old Republic was that they're remaking it, or remastering it even. Um, but Same apparently man. the graphics are so old that like <laughs> the faces and stuff are all just like completely still. Yeah. But it's got really good um, gameplay mechanics where they're like, it's apparently it's like Dungeons and Dragons, like you have to queue up your actions. So it's quite, like sort of semi-turn-based but in an open world, um, and it feels sort of quick enough that the visual side doesn't feel like turn-based per se, you know? Like, it's not like a proper hardcore RPG game, but the decision-making yeah. and stuff like that's apparently really good, um, which is sort of, I think, is a really important thing for a Star Wars game because that's one of the key concepts of the mainline films, and Star Wars is a theme. It's like, do do you pull to the dark side or do you you resist and stay with the light side and games never they're always like quite transparent with it like fallen order it's just like here's a good guy do you know what i mean and i don't know because i haven't played it but i could tell even from looking at him i saw him in the trailer i was like he's he ain't going to the dark side (laughs) even if they try and assume that he is tempted by it he's a softy i mean that (laughs) is something that that's something that is kind of at the core of pretty much all star wars uh mainline stories you know mm. i mean it's personally as a kid i never really felt when you watch return of the jedi that luke is really ever co- seriously considering going to the dark side but apparently like that is that is a thing that you know he rejects the dark side and brings darth vader back to the light at the end of return of the jedi yeah. and then obviously the prequels are all about the fall of anakin skywalker and then i don't know there was something or other and <laughs> Apparently, Ray might go bad because, <laughs> because you see her with a hood and a dual handed lightsaber. Apparently, that is char- classed as character development. She was going to uh, be bad in the trailer. Yeah, that was fucking all that was. That was just like, ooh, you're excited now because look, she's got she's got a Darth Maul lightsaber. Yeah, and she's just a hallucination. Yeah, and she hisses. And everyone was like, from The Hobbit, where, uh, from Lord of the Rings, where Bilbo Baggins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mine. <laughs> and she had about 79 more teeth and they're all really sharp. Yeah. <laughs> she used to look like a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like Fallen Order does sort of do that. Like it, um, it does sort of tease around like, I don't know. I don't remember the story that well. Like I couldn't explain it to you, but there is like a sort of conceit of he's on the light side and like someone that he used to know has become like a, it's like a Sith inquisitor and mm. you know, like there is a, she's trying to sort of bring him over to the dark side type thing. But yeah, you've never really, you never really see that sort of done well, especially in a video game with that like bent of interactivity. Yeah. Like I would definitely like to play a game where I'm sort of given the choice instead yeah. of just being railroaded into being the good guy, which works. I mean, it works in Fallen Order because of the type of game it is. It's not mm. an RPG, but I would be interested to see like a modern, really well done Star Wars RPG. 
Yeah, definitely. Follow different and, uh, dialogue I just choices. Googled that there, by the way, because, you know, we're a top, top tier games journalists on this show. Um, <laughs> this is and, work. And yeah, so there is a, there is a Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic game in the works at Aspia Media. Um, what, Knights of the Old Republic 3 or a remake? It just, just, it just says, oh wait, no, a remake of the legendary Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic game is in the works. Credible leaker and Bloomberg journalist Jason Schreier um, has teased some information about it. So, and that's basically all that they know about it. Well, that's um, all right, especially if it's a proper remake. I'll be up for that. Yeah. I mean, I'll take anything at this point. <laughs> I saw I, on, on the rumor mill, uh, I was looking into like rumored Star Wars games and yeah. I saw it was a very, very light rumor that um, Santa Monica Studios were doing a PS5 exclusive Star Wars game. Now that'd be good. God of War. That sounds like bullshit, but also yes. Sounds like it sounds like just a dream. That. You know when yeah. people just put a rumor in the middle and they're just like, "This is a really amazing thing that could happen," and everyone gets yeah. excited about it. Yeah, that's like like Facebook clickbait headline. Yeah, it's like someone's just made it up and put it on Facebook for clicks. <laughs> but that's the kind of. That, I mean, that, that would, would be amazing. I I personally I don't see that happening just because. I think if anything, they had full speed ahead on God of War forever now. Hmm. Um, but never know. Never know. They might wrap it up with God of War two though, which I'd assume is close to finished. See, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I was gonna say I don't because this uh, the next God of War game is gonna be cross platform, so it's not really gonna be a truly next gen God mm-hmm. of War. I feel like it's we're gonna get this God of War two cross platform PS four and PS five. And then they're probably going to go to work on like a fully next gen God of War, which will come out in like fucking seven years or something <laughs> stupid. Um, but, you know, never say never, I guess. Yeah, I guess with like su- successful titles like those, they can at least mm. deviate resources and hire a new team, sub teams, yeah. things like that. Um, so they could do like a bit of a crossover period. Um, mm. But that, I mean, it's just a very light rumor, but that's the kind of development that I'd want from a game where I was saying earlier, like not necessarily groundbreaking, groundbreaking mechanics or ideas about Star Wars game, but some a, a team that would like make sure that almost everything was done to complete perfection. Like just, yeah. just a really, really good game. Well thought out, beautiful sound design, impressive world, like unique storytelling. And they're out there, they are the sort of development, developer that would have the clout to do that because they've done that with God yeah. of War. They've taken a, a, a game that was established in like Greek mythos and remade it, essentially. Yeah. And they've, they've channeled it into something completely different. Um, I think what underpins my skepticism about a studio making a game like that's on the level of like a God of War set in the Star Wars universe is that I can't help but feel that a developer is wanting to get in on a Star Wars um Star Wars licensed game mm. purely to have, you know, the Star Wars branding is gonna sell well. Yeah. Because it's a Star Wars game. Whereas like something like God of War feels like like a creative passion project. Mm. And I can't imagine the track record of Disney hiring fucking EA and Ubisoft and like studio, like these huge fucking publishers that make mostly 
average games, the occasional sort of banger, um, it feels like that it's going to be big publishers like that that are going to get preference over like a studio that wants to make like a real passion project Star Wars game. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not, not explaining it very well, but I'm I, I I'm just very I'm skeptical. You know, like I should be more excited about it because I want a really great Star Wars game. But I guess all we can do is wait and see. Yeah. You know, this massive uh, this massive entertainment one could be incredible. It could be everything we've always wanted from an open world Star Wars game. Yeah, maybe. But we're probably not going to see anything like that, anything from it for at least a couple of years. I would say like 2022, 2023. Yeah. Well, probably when we'll first see or hear something from it. So Yeah, it's weird because I think you look at the business like behavior of Disney and with the films and you think about the companies that are now aligning themselves with like Ubisoft and you think about the way that they treat games as a business with microtransaction filled yeah. open world games. Exactly. Sounds like they've had a nice little chat and they've realized they'll get on and they've got a yeah. Star Wars license they can sell. Well, that's the whole uh, idea behind the Lucasfilm games being like an umbrella company that oversees the development of Star Wars games because they're not making games themselves where like Lucasfilm games was actually what LucasArts was before it was LucasArts. It's existed since like the early 80s. It was Lucasfilm Games and then it was rebranded LucasArts Mm. and they were making games themselves. And the reason now that they're not making the games themselves is because they don't want to take on the risk and liability that it takes, like the costs involved of making a game themselves. Yeah. And uh, they're essentially having a hand in the development of these games but they're allowing other companies to take on the sort of risks involved financially who are going to take on those sort of risks. It's going to be big publishers with the money and the clout to put resources into making a Star Mm. Wars game. You know, like smaller studios maybe aren't going to want to get... They're they're not going to be allowed to get in by Disney and they're maybe not going to want to because of, you know, Lucasfilms themselves don't even want to fucking make their own games yeah you know yeah did you see the stuff about assassin's creed origins um where they tied a lot of progression to the story where you couldn't actually you couldn't um get a main story quest to progress the story until you got to a certain level but to do that to get to that certain level you have to go off and do like a ton of side quests or pay oh my god (laughs) really yeah yeah they did do that and it was like a 60 hour game or something um, so that's the kind of people that will be in charge of the, these next yeah. Star Wars games that will be immediately upcoming. Everything well, I mean, else is sort of in the shadows. Massive, massive Entertainment made The Division 2 in The Division, um, which I have n- not played, but people like those games, but they don't, they're not, they're like looter shooter yeah, type. Yeah, they are, they're the same. They've, they've got microtransactions in them as well. Yeah, so... <laughs> I am, yeah. The more we talk about it, the less optimistic I am. I'm just getting depressed. (laughs) (laughs) We've joined up all the dots and realised that the future of Star Wars games is bleak. (laughs) Uh, Maybe. Maybe. I don't want to be that pessimistic about it. I, you know, I enjoyed Fallen Order and EA are still making Star Wars games. There's going to be a Fallen Order 2. Squadrons is apparently good. I'll get it at some point. I'm not going to pay full price for it. Um, Mm. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. 
we'll see. Um, but I mean, the, it's not just Star Wars games that Lucasfilm games are overseeing because there was the announcement of the uh, Indiana Jones game at oh, Bethesda. Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I wish I could play it, but it's an Xbox game, isn't it? Well, yeah, it probably will be an Xbox exclusive. I don't think they've said that, but obviously Microsoft buying Bethesda means they're trying to kind of fight fire with fire um, with mm. Sony having so many good exclusives over the last generation and Xbox basically having none. <laughs> so mm. I think going forward, we're going to see all Bethesda stuff come out on Xbox and PC exclusively. So Yeah. But I think, I think though, an Indiana Jones game, it's like... Um, did you didn't play the Uncharted games like one, two, three? Did you? You just played four. I've played four. The four four is the only one I've completed, but I've played right. I've played the other ones, but not finished any of them apart from four, which I really liked. Yeah. So to me, they like I loved those games, and like by far, I was like it was a nice end to like a game that stuck with me yeah. for like what eight nine years. Uh, but then Tomb Raider came out, which is an IP that we're familiar with since PlayStation. And I was a bit like, are we doing this again? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm a bit worried that Xbox are desperately trying to use the Indiana Jones IP to get in on that, that world of Tomb Raider vs. Uncharted, but it might be way too late to jump on that bandwagon. But then again, if you've if you've only had an Xbox for the last few years, you might not have played that much of it. You, you might have played Tomb Raider. Yeah. I mean, I think it is going to pretty closely hue to the template set down by Uncharted. Um, it's machine games i think i'm making it who made the wolfenstein games did you play any of right, the, Wolf yeah. and the modern wolfenstein games no wolfenstein i haven't played the first one but i played wolfenstein 2 and mm. it was really good it's a really good game mm. so i actually think what what i mean wolfenstein is obviously totally different well not really because it's nazis isn't it but it's <laughs> It's a, it's kind of a different thing than what I would expect from an Indiana Jones game. But I think what the Wolfenstein games did really well is they absolutely nailed the tone of the game. Mm. Like Wolfenstein is an inherently silly concept, but at the moments where it needed to play it serious, it absolutely does play it serious. And it kind of veers in between like just silly body horror and like serious drama. And I think mm. uh, Indiana Jones is something that, n- that they need to nail the tone with because I don't think within Uncharted and Tomb Raider, like they're video game characters and you don't really question the fact that you're like murdering hundreds of people as you kind of run through the game and still consider these people to be heroic. But Indiana Jones is like a movie character and I don't think that sort of thing in Uncharted where you run through a level and you kill like literally a hundred people is going to work as well with an established character like Indiana Jones. Mm. But I kind of, I trust machine games because of Wolfenstein to really, to nail, to kind of get that, you know, I think I quite optimistic about that. I think it's going to turn out well, even though I probably won't play it because I'm unlikely that I will have an Xbox by the time it comes out. Yeah. I guess, I I guess um, with, you know, with the announcement of that, I suppose with I'm quite optimistic about that, so I think it it exemplifies how this could potentially be good news for Star Wars if a developer like that that kind of knows their way around it and knows what they're doing gets their hands on getting a project greenlit. Yeah, yeah, sure. 
I don't know. I guess we'll soon find mm-hmm. out. And that's all I have to say on that. <laughs> yeah. That's all I have to say on it as well. <laughs> so. I'm not getting an Xbox. So I'm not playing Und- Indiana Jones. Am I? I've been, life. I've been thinking about getting an Xbox. Yeah, of course you have. It's not enough consoles in the world for you. I think the Game Pass is a pretty, uh, it's a pretty interesting concept. Mm. Um, as things stand right now, I mean, PlayStation just has all of the IPs that I like, you know, like the Spider-Man games and the God of War and, you know, all of the, all of the PS exclusives, like Horizon, I'm really looking forward to the next Horizon game. Like, yeah, yeah. PlayStation's got the best uh, exclusives, but I don't know. I think Xbox have the capacity to sort of turn things around in the future. And I'm I'm interested to see what Game Pass is like. So, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's not for me. I'll stay on PlayStation, even though I've lost my baby, The Last of Us, really. But see if something else comes up. I'm sure they'll have a new IP in, over the course of this generation that'll be outstanding because they've done that over the last couple of generations. Yeah, they keep doing it. I think Ghost of Tsushima is the. I think the uh, Ghost of Tsushima is a really underrated uh, PlayStation exclusive, and I think they've sort of found their footing with this one, with the first one. I think the second one is, you know, provided they kind of, you know, maybe take some more creative risks. Mm. There's definitely going to be a second one and I think it'll be really good. I think we might see Ghost of Tsushima turn into like another, one of the big sort of like powerhouse PlayStation IPs. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. That was it. We, uh, we cracked Star Wars. Nobody's ever going to talk about Star Wars again. We did it. <laughs> completed. We've com- completed overview of Star Wars. I'm going to take out my little list of games topics and uh, tick Star Wars off. <laughs> Make sure. And then if we ever hear about anybody talking about it again, we'll find out where they are and we'll firebomb them. <laughs> Be like, do you not know that we finished talking about this? It's done now. <laughs> I wish you were dead. <laughs> what else have you been playing? Have you been watching doing anything i've got this down as uh, this week steve i don't know if oh yeah you know i didn't actually realize it was it last time when you were like oh no you text me and you're like i'm gonna call that section steve and then i listened back to uh episode two and you were calling it steve and i was like he's really trying to bring this one up yeah <laughs> I keep i'm gonna keep hammering it <laughs> so on this week steve what else have you been playing <laughs> Uh, I've been playing um, a game called Frostpunk, actually, which is good. Uh, I've never heard of like it. A, I don't think I'm gonna. Like a, I don't think there's gonna be a single week where I've heard of anything that you've been playing. When you, when you play. <laughs> <laughs> well, pretty uh, alternative with my uh, video. You're such game. a fucking edge lord. Um, but Frostpunk's like a city builder. Mm. Um, so you know, like one of those games that you just saw, like you build a city and manage the resources and. you've got to get more of the resources and it gets bigger and there's more need so you need to create more bits but it's really like it's probably the best one i've played in terms of them i haven't played a lot of them but i really like this i find them so addictive i just can't stop playing them mainly because when when you first start playing them i I find it hard to to pause it halfway through and then um and then finish again another day so i have to like finish one run in one sitting I think it goes back to what I've said a few times now where it's like, I don't know where I just was. Yeah. So I don't know what I was doing just before if I play it tonight. So I have to start again. So every every night of the last four nights, I've played it as soon as I got home until I went to sleep. And 
um, everyone died every time. <laughs> it's like a, it's a, so it's like an, set in like an ice age, mm. um, and humanity's like found um, some generators in like the Antarctic, and just so you build a, a village around the generators, and then you sort of build outwards. But it's really like the tone of it's so dark. Like everyone's always like coming to you and being like. Or my granddad's just been amputated or something. He's been like amputated. That. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean? He has. What what's he Did had he amputated? Past- or is he be was he attached to something else and was amputated from it? Well you put him down the mines and the, the he's hurt his leg. Uh, and because, oh, right, because yeah. you've passed the I can the relate because I, I work doing the pit. So there's like these decisions where it's like there's these decisions where <laughs> you've got to decide whether you want to either look after people and keep them alive, but fill the medical tents up, which would Mm. cost more money and put workers out of action, or you can just amputate them, um, which means that they don't take up beds in the medical facility so you can heal people quicker and get them back to work. So I just chose to do amputations. And then they were coming to me being like, my granddad's just died, like, cheers. And then the discontent rises, so there's like two bars, hope and discontent, you've got to, you got to get the hope high as high as possible and discontent needs to stay as low but you have to make choices all the time which like might dramatically extend the discontent um so i got banished at one point because the discontent went all the way up because of, because they were freezing um and then the day after that they all froze to death because my heating i didn't have enough energy sources to provide heating for everyone it's a bit close to the bone in the middle of a global pandemic isn't i know it? it was a bit dark to be fair <laughs> i went to a flight yesterday and it was the first time this week where i went to play it and i was like am i really gonna start this again and like get to mm. one o'clock in the morning and realize that everything i've worked towards for the last five hours has came to absolutely nothing and it was the first night of the week where i went Nah, I'll go find something else to do. <laughs> but it, I, it is really, really good. And I hadn't heard of it either, but I went and checked some reviews and stuff and it's, it got reviewed like really, really well. It got like yeah, nines cool. and nine naffs and stuff like that. I'll check out some uh, trailers. <laughs> yeah, I'll look at some trailers. I'll watch watch people speed run it. <laughs> the, P, the, PC, uh, the PC footage looks amazing. The graphics mm. and stuff are proper beautiful. Um, but the PS4 foot game is just, just looks a bit ugly. Yeah, I found that with Ghost Runner. Yeah, it's got it's got old, hasn't it? That last gen, PS4. Yeah, I mean, like when you see people, I see people play. It's just a general thing, isn't it? PCs just better than consoles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in terms of graphical raw graphical power. But um, yeah, cool. Sounds good. What have you been playing? What have I been playing? Um, well, we didn't do it last week, did we? So I played Control. Oh yeah. Um, and I finished that. I bought it finished it and then like two days after i finished it it went up free on the playstation yeah yeah <laughs> on playstation plus with like the 4k 60 frames update <laughs> so i download i was fucking raging so i uh, <laughs> yeah i've downloaded it i haven't played it again yeah but i might go back to it and see how it looks um yeah. i've been playing final fantasy 7 oh, after yeah. your ringing endorsement from last week and yeah. uh i'm enjoying it i'm about six chapters in that's all right I think it's only like 12 and then there's, I know there's like 19, but 12 to 19 are just, just story heavy. It just, you blast oh, right. through it proper quick. So yeah, I've only the, been playing it. I think I've only been playing it a few days and I don't feel like I've been like putting in like mammoth 
sessions either. I've just sort of, it's very playable. It's very like you can just sit down, hammer a bit out, turn it off, come back to mm. it later and, you know, hammer another chapter out. It's, yeah. I'm enjoying it. It's not a very, it, the story's sort, like I know the context of everything that's happening. So I think the story's a bit deeper when you understand the full game. But I think yeah. in the remake of that period, it's just an adventure game. It's just like a couple of, misguided people accidentally like coming together to yeah. fight a greater force it's like there's not really there's not really anything particular that you need to like keep an eye on and make sure yeah. you play it again quickly before you forget well, i think what i'm thinking about doing is i'm gonna finish this and then i might get the original final fantasy 7 for the switch mm. and play the full thing yeah i think that's um, a good idea because then yeah. i think you'd get the a, you'd get what was coming, but you'd also understand, by the time you finish Remake, you'll start to understand like the deviations, because Remake yeah. Part 2 is probably going to deviate quite heavily, and I think to go into Remake Part 2, you should probably have an understanding of like the core story of Final Fantasy VII to probably get the most enjoyment out of it. Yeah, I think that's the thing, like, I sort of, I'm enjoying it, I really have no idea what's going on in the story, besides what's sort of presented to me, and I feel like I'm sort of missing out a little bit. Mm. Um, so I would like to, I'm going to finish this first and then I'd like to play the full thing and see what the entire story is and yeah. sort of mentally prepare myself for when the, the follow-ups eventually drop. Yeah. I won't, I so, won't go in, into it too much, but, um, the one thing that I think if I was you, I'd be well confused about was like the sort of like little flashbacks and stuff. Cause they literally don't make any sense without, unless you know the entirety of the Final Fantasy seven story um the flashbacks you mean like when where it gets like a little migraine and then it's like yeah and you'll up. see something and it, what i what i what i kind of noticed is that he was remembering scenes that you'd already seen but now there was like an extra bit of dialogue in it that you didn't hear the first time you saw it which mm. i find intriguing and yeah. I'm, I'm really into that kind of style of non-linear sort of fractured story momentum mm. so well, it's good yeah. that you get it's good that you like that bit then because i thought those bits would like have absolutely zero payoff Mate, for, i like for i like person. david lynch films like <laughs> anything <laughs> anything that's weird and impossible to understand i like <laughs> i still i'm actually when you play final fantasy 7 i'm actually really curious to talk to you about it because i still after probably playing it like 18 times in my life or something i still don't really get some of it because some of it's so vague and weird that it's like yeah. I'm I'm well into that kind of thing, so it goes it goes in proper weird ways, and it's almost like when you play the remake and you sort of play this cloud, and you know what's what's happening. You're sort of a bit like, who are these people? Like, what's yeah. going on? It like there's a lot of fourth wall breaks and stuff like that, which are really good. But talk about it when you get to it. Yeah, I'll probably be in a week or two. I'll probably be through it. We can probably have a proper chat about it on the podcast. Yeah, what you been watching? been watching out nice i watched it's a sin oh yeah i've seen that no it's on my list everyone's been very buzzing off it very very good it's very very good um i find a lot of like sort of british tv shows are shit mm. <laughs> um, i don't like the vibe of some of them they have like a weird atmosphere don't yeah they? Uh, i mean barring you know like obvious things like i may destroy you and stuff like that which uh, and I was going to say normal people, but that's Irish. Um, mm. But, you know, like, you know, every now and again, you get something that is just like undoubtedly brilliant. And it's a sin is one of those. It's really poignant and sad and like 
also really joyful and celebratory of a kind of period of time um around well it's it, for people who don't know what it is it's like a it's like a five-part drama about the aids crisis in the 80s and it follows a bunch of sort of like um young people in london um mostly gay obviously sort of mm. dealing with uh the outbreak of aids and the way that the government just sort of ignored it because they thought it only affected gay people and therefore didn't care yeah and uh it's it's written by russell t davies who obviously um you can see has a deep emotional attachment to the story that he's writing and whilst it obviously is like sort of involves a lot of tragedy because it's dealing with aids which was like a rampant epidemic that killed thousands of people Mm. it also is like a really affectionate look at like that sort of period of time and what like gay culture and stuff in london was like at the time um i really enjoyed it Hmm. and uh i'm also watching rupaul's drag race uk oh that's <laughs> week all right to week. I love we're having a bloody big gay bonanza in my house <laughs> <laughs> every week is a big old gay hoot nanny um, <laughs> yeah i love i fucking love have you ever watched rupaul's drag race yeah yeah i love it yeah, yeah. The, the the uk I, I only like the uk one i don't I really seen like the uk one i've only seen the US uh, one see i'm not really i've watched some us rupaul and i'm not really that into the humor like I just the American humor for me doesn't really work, but like sort of dry, daft British humor. What, is the UK and, one like that? Is it quite like? Oh yeah, it's so <laughs> funny. It's so funny, and it's like yeah, it's really good. Watch it. The f- I mean, definitely watch the first series, and then we're only like halfway through. If that on the second one, it's mm. out like every Thursday. So get on that because the first series is brilliant. And I'm really enjoying the second one as well. Yeah, it's a really good show. So, I, I really like those kind of formats sometimes, just like a, a week by week, send someone home kind of thing. Yeah. I remember when I watched RuPaul with like an ex girlfriend, it was so good. Absolutely. I'm so invested it. in it. I'm so invested in it. Like every week, I'm like, oh, oh, is like, is Lawrence Cheney out this week? Like, <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert, he's not because he's class. Yeah, I also found it like weirdly um, sort of fascinating how much effort goes into it all as well. Like all, all the it's a real art form. Yeah, really. that's something I didn't appreciate so much until I watched Drag Race. I was like, like this is like this is art. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it takes yeah. it takes so much effort and so much creative thinking to like nail the outfits like properly. And like totally. I found myself like by the end of the episodes being like, you look class. Or yeah, like someone yeah. coming out and looking a bit shit, and I'd be like, oh, sod off. Yeah. Have you not heard? <laughs> oh, Willie, you haven't. If you haven't seen the first series, you won't have heard the Frock Destroyers song. No. Oh, there's an episode in the first series where they do like a girl group song and like they get split into teams and they each do. And the song is class. It's so good. (laughs) It's on Spotify. I'll send you the song. Definitely go and uh, watch go and watch the uh the first series it's all on iplayer and like that episode yeah, especially they do another episode in the first series as well where they do like a like a mrs brown's boy style sort of like camp sitcom really but it's all drag queens yeah, it's yeah. so good so good man that is good so yeah yeah i'm excited for that i haven't watched the i haven't watched the us one in a couple of years so might as well get yeah. back into it from familiar territory i think it's only like eight to ten episodes a series for the uk one i don't know if the american one's longer because i've never gotten through a full series of the american one mm. um but yeah it's all on iplay give it a give it a deeks i will i bloody right. will well that was this week steve <laughs> <Which> is, <laughs> i 
I'm gonna I'm gonna keep hammering that that and ho mama every week until eventually <laughs> it becomes a thing. So uh yeah, that's it for this week. Thank you to everyone who's listened. Um Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we'll be sending you a free bun in the post. Everybody gets a bun for listening to the podcast. For listening. Yeah, we do proper yeah. know who listens, to be fair. Yeah. So once you've once you've listened, just keep an eye on your letterbox <laughs> and you'll you'll find your bun in the post. Um <laughs> You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at at buttonchopspod. And uh, if you've enjoyed any of our dumb patter, then please leave a review as it helps us out massively. And you can drop us a line or DM us on social media. Email us at buttonchopspodcast at gmail.com. I don't know why it came out like that. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at BeezusForFoon. And I also have a YouTube channel called Little Davy Reviews Things. I'm not going to explain it. If you go and check it out, you'll see what it is. Anything you want to add? Uh, no, my Instagram and Twitter is uh, CleverWoot. And um, I'm at home every week. So that's it. As are we all. <laughs> <laughs> I have no YouTube uh, channel um, called Little Davy Reviews. But everyone should you definitely can... go check it out. Chris won't say out, but he did a really good Last of Us musical, so you should all go have a look at that. I wrote a song about Last of Us Part 2. The effort was far out. Where's the amount of views it's got? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's disappointing, but I'll get there. I'll get there. It's so good. Right. (laughs) Thanks, mate. Um, Wax a belter. Yeah. See you all next week. (laughs) See ya. Tara. Bye. Bye.